been in a series of messages from the life of Joseph on finding joy in the confusing will of God. We've looked at the life of Joseph and we've seen the long journey that he was on begin when he was 17 years of age and it was filled with its ups and downs. He started out with that robe that uh, looked so beautiful that his dad gave him that it spoke of the administrative authority that he would have. His brothers got jealous of him, beat him up, ripped the robe off, threw him in a pit and sold him into slavery and he found himself in Egypt. And there in Egypt, he got lied on, thrown into prison. It seemed often like God had forgotten him. God seemed distant. His enemies seemed to be the ones who were winning. And they actually seemed like they were being blessed more than he was being blessed. Seems that way sometimes when we serve the Lord. But Joseph stayed in there. He was faithful to forgive. He was faithful to serve the Lord. And he began to understand what God was doing. And because he hung in there, stayed with the Lord, he found himself being exalted next to Pharaoh in the leadership of Israel. And God began, excuse me, of Egypt. And God began to use him in some powerful ways to bless the people of Egypt and surrounding countries. And God's blessings and the implementation of his will in our lives often come in strange ways. Today, when we join the story of Joseph in the 49th chapter of the book of Genesis, and as it wraps, the story wraps up, Joseph is well into adulthood now. He has two sons of his own. They probably were at at least older children, if not into being teenagers. Joseph has been reunited with his dad, Jacob, and his dad, Jacob, gathers his 12 sons to his bedside. Jacob is an old man. He recognizes that he is dying. In fact, he literally was in, is within minutes of passing away. And so he calls his 12 sons together, and he begins to give them a spoken blessing. He calls each one of them by name, and he looks at them, and probably in a hoarse voice at times struggling to speak, he pronounces a blessing upon each of them. As he pronounces that blessing, many of those blessings are very brief. But then when he gets to Joseph, he goes into detail, both on how God has blessed Joseph and how God wills and desires to bless Joseph in the future. It is a spoken blessing that Joseph receives and Joseph hears. It is so important that children receive and hear from us a spoken blessing, and that is what Jacob is speaking here. We're going to join the story in Genesis 49, beginning with verse 22. Joseph is a fruitful brawl, a fruitful brawl by a spring. His branches run over the wall. The archers bitterly attacked him, shot at him, and harassed him severely. Yet his bow remained unmoved. His arms were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. From there is the shepherd, the stone of Israel. By the God of your father who will help you. By the Almighty who will bless you with blessings of heaven above. Blessings of the deep that crouches beneath. Blessings of the beast 
excuse me, of the breast and of the womb. The blessings of your father are mighty beyond the blessings of my parents, up to the bounties of the everlasting hills. May they be on the head of Joseph and on the brow of him who was set apart from his brothers. And thus was spoken the blessing of Jacob to his son Joseph, in particular in the presence of Joseph's children. Our sermon outline is containing your bulletin, and I invite you to follow along, if you will. Each son that is, receives this blessing from Jacob has a characteristic, and the characteristic of Joseph's life is that it is fruitful. He uses two metaphors here, Jacob does in pronouncing this blessing. He uses the metaphor of a vine that is planted by a spring. And he uses the metaphor of an archer who is steady under attack. What he speaks here in speaking of this vine that is by the spring is he says to him, Joseph, when I look at your life, your life is like this vine. And it was planted by a spring. And there was a wall around it. And the spring began to feed the vine, and the vine grew in to a tree, and the tree began to have branches, and the branches began to spread out, and the branches spread out over the wall. And what was Jacob saying to Joseph as he reflected on his journey? He's saying, Joseph, you started out small, you started out insignificant, and you started out vulnerable. And you didn't go very far in life until they tried to wall you in with opposition. In fact, you knew the wall at one point of your life of a pit that you were thrown into. And later you knew the wall of the opposition of jail time that you had to pull. But Joseph, the issue was never what was walling you in. The issue was that you had been planted by a spring, and that spring of the presence of God and the power of God and the love of God and the glory of God was feeding your life, and because it was feeding your life, your branches started growing, and the walls of the pit were around you, and the walls of the jail were around you, but your branches spread over top of that wall, and every wall they put around you, the branch of your life spread over it. So that your life began to not only bless the people who are around you, but it began to bless the whole nation of Egypt. And it eventually blessed people from outside of Egypt as they were coming to Egypt at that time to receive the grain that Joseph had stored up for the years of famine. You see, folks, the issue is never the opposition. The issue is are our lives planted by the spring of God's power and God's love. The issue is what is the source of our life? And they could build one wall after another wall after another wall around Joseph. They could try to hem him in in a pit. They could try to hem him in through lying on him. They could try to hem him in through throwing him in jail. But nothing was going to hold Joseph back. Nothing was going to keep his life from making an impact for God because the source of his life was the Lord God. Then he looks at him and he says, Joseph, verse 23, the archers begin to shoot their arrows at you. The word Hebrew where they're archers means masters of the bow. And the idea of the word that's used there in verse 23 when it says they bitterly attacked him is the idea that they spoke out of jealousy. Joseph, Jacob says to Joseph, Joseph, you were the subject 
of jealousy. They tried to tear you down with their envy. You know, there are no words that are quite as bitter and tough as words that are spoken about us or to us that come from jealousy. And he says, they shot some bitter arrows at you. They use words to tear you down and take you out. The Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. One of the things that Satan does to try to take us down and take us out is to attack us with slander, to attack with all kinds of opposition. Nowadays, cyberbullying, whatever form it takes on the Internet, is so often the way that Satan uses to attack folks, tear, tear folks down, tear into reputations. And he's saying, listen, Jacob, I watched the archers, and they attacked you over and over and over again. But notice what he says in verse 24. Yet his bow remained unmoved. In other words, they were shooting arrows at you. But you stayed steady, Joseph. You stayed steady. You kept the aim in the right direction. And he says your hands were made agile. In other words, they were shooting back at you. But you were able to grab the bows quickly and shoot back. You had an army coming against you, but you stayed with it and you stayed at it. You were steady in spirit. You were steady in the control of your tongue. He says your arms were made agile. By how were your arms made agile? They were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. The picture that Jacob is painting of Joseph is, Joseph, you were under attack. And it was you against all of them. But God put his hands on your arms. And that made all the difference. Folks, it is never an issue of how great the opposition is. It is always an issue Of how great God is. And if his hands are on us. We're going to make it. And if his hands are on us. We're going to walk in victory. You see God's not into just making it. God is into achieving victory. Jesus just didn't make it through the cross. He roared out of the tomb on resurrection morning. Jesus just didn't make it over to the disciples. He anointed and empowered them on the day of Pentecost. The early church just didn't make it in the Roman Empire. They permeated the Roman Empire with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God isn't to us just making it. He is calling us, anointing us, and empowering us for victory. And when the hands of the mighty God of Jacob touch us and anoint us and empower us, we won't just make it, we will walk in victory. Joseph was not intimidated by the opposition because Joseph wasn't focused on the brothers. He wasn't focused on Pharaoh's wife. He was focused on God. And because his focus was on God, he walked in victory. Now notice what Jacob says to him. He looks at his son 
And he says, son, you were made agile by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. Now, as Joseph stood before his dad that day, he would have been dressed in Egyptian clothing. He would have been dressed in the clothing of the viceroyal of Egypt. In other words, he would have been standing there dressed and what people would have recognized that this man is second in command to Pharaoh. He would have seen the headdress. He would have seen the robe. He had exchanged that coat of many colors now for the viceroy robe of being in charge of Egypt. He had the ring on his finger that said, you're second in command to Pharaoh. He would have seen all of that. But I want you to notice what happens in this story. Jacob doesn't look at him and say, son, you're, you're somebody because Pharaoh made you somebody. You're somebody because you're dressed like a royal Egyptian leader. You're somebody because you got the headdress and the clothing and the ring on your finger from Pharaoh. The glory of Pharaoh has made you somebody. He looked at him and he said, Son, your hands were made agile and you walked in victory because of Almighty God. He was saying to his son, when I look at you, I don't see you dressed in Egyptian royalty. When I look at you, what I see, son is the power of Almighty God manifested in your life. The difference that I see, son, is because of God. You see, Joseph didn't need the glory of Pharaoh to do a glorious job for God. Joseph, excuse me, God did not need the glory of Pharaoh to do a glorious job. And what's the significance of that? Too many times we think we need the glory of this world to do God's work. We think we got to bask in the glory of the pharaohs of this world to get God's work done. We need their strength, their aid, their approval, whatever. But when Jacob looked at Joseph, what he said was, I see the glory of God, and that's all I see is the glory of God. You're where you're at, and you got through, not because Pharaoh got you there, but because God got you there. Then notice verse 24, he refers to God, he says, he's the shepherd. He's taking care of you as a sheep. He's restored your soul every time you need your soul restored. Verse 24, he says, you are the stone of Israel has been there. The idea of the unchangeable dependability of God. He has been your rock, Joseph. He has been dependable for you. It started with a promise that God made to you when you were 17 years of age. He renewed that promise to you when you were in the pit. He took you from the pit eventually to the prison. But he continued his promise to you in the prison. And now you're in the palace. You've been from promise to pit to prison to palace. And all the way God has been dependable. And God's going to take you... Going to give you a promise. But along the way, all of us are going to end up in some pits. And along the way, we're going to pull some prison time when things hem us in. But stay with him because he's going to fulfill his promise and get you to a palace of some type sooner or later. Now notice the anticipation of the blessing in verses 25 and 26. He uses titles of God here and explaining the blessing to Joseph. 
First of all, he says to him that you're going to receive this blessing. And the idea of the Old Testament blessing was to be endued with power for success and for longevity. You're going to make it. You're going to make it well. You're going to get over the finish line. Verse 25, he says, the God of your father is going to give you this blessing. Now, follow what he's doing here when he says the God of your father, verse 25, is going to help you. Jacob is looking at his son and he is saying, Son, the God of your dad, me, he will help you. He will help you. And I want you to see what Joseph heard in that. Joseph stood there by the bed and he looked into that old, wrinkled face of Jacob. He heard that trembling voice, the God of your father will help you. You see, when when Joseph heard that and when he looked at his dad, what he saw was his dad's journey. He knew the journey that his dad had been on for decades from the time Jacob had been a young boy, now until he was an old man. He knew the faithfulness of God to his dad. And so when dad says to him, the God of your father, the God who's been with me and walked with me and blessed me and got me to this hour and to this day, he's going to help you. That resonated with Joseph deep in Joseph's soul. He would have said, yes, I've seen God be with my dad. I know he's going to see me through. You see, what you see in these Old Testament patriarchs is that Abraham looks at Isaac and says, the God who got me out of Ur of the Chaldees into this place will get you through. Isaac looks at Jacob and he says, Jacob, God's going to take care of you because God provided for me and took care of me. And now Jacob looks at Joseph and he says the same thing. You see this legacy, this tremendous history of one dad to his son, to his son, to his son, saying, look to God Almighty. Oh, folks, what we are screaming out for in the United States today is men of God who will look at their children and say the Jesus that I love and I serve to redeem me and made me His own. He will be with you. He will help you. He will walk with you. We have a generation of young people today who are wandering around wondrously and all they can talk about is how their dads screw up and mess up and don't have time for them. What they are screaming for and crying for is men of God who will say to their children, He will be your help because He's been my help and you've seen Him be my help. I say preach that passionately because for 30 years as a pastor, I've seen so many broken young people who were crying out for a dad they can look up to. I have seen so many broken boys where I pastored in Norfolk who had decided that a gang was the way to go because dad was not there. I sat down with a bunch of guys and I asked them one day, I said, why do the gangs have appeal to you? And they said, it's family. And the leader of the gang is like your big brother. What I realized in talking to those young men is dad wasn't there, so they had to find a substitute. 
Joseph walked away that day and he knew that God who had taken care of his dad would take care of him. Notice what he says. He says he will bless you. Picturing a future for him. How's he going to bless you? Verse 25. The Almighty, the Hebrew word for the name of God there is El Shaddai. It means powerful. It means great. But it also means one who will nourish. You see, Jacob is looking at his son and he says, Son, I've given you everything I can give you, but I can't give you the blessing of God. Only God can do that. But I'm praying that blessing on you. We need his blessing. Notice how he describes the blessing, verses 25 and 26. He says, blessings from heaven above. Now, there was an agricultural community that would have spoke of rain. He's going to rain down on your crops. Verse 25, blessings of the deep. In other words, the water springing up from the wells. Verse 25, blessings of the womb and of the breast. Again, nourishment in children. Verse 26, he says, the blessing that you will know will exceed previous generations. In other words, Joseph, what you will know is going to exceed what I knew. And what your grandfather knew. And what your great-grandfather knew. Can you imagine what Joseph must have thought as he heard that? Or all the stories of Abraham and Isaac, his great-grandfather and his grandfather and Jacob saying, you're going to know blessings beyond that. And we're all sitting here and we're listening to this and we're thinking, man, that must have been a great day and Joseph must have been having a great time and that must have been a great message to hear and I sure would like for some of that to happen in my life. And what I want to say to you this morning is that you and I can know and we can walk in a blessing greater than the blessing of Joseph. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. Here are the Apostle Paul's words to the church that was at Ephesus. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ. If you look at Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3 and you follow it on down, he outlines what that blessing is. He says that we have been chosen to be holy and blameless before Him. We have been chosen by the Lord to live holy lives that are blameless before Him. Oh, I love the next thing He says in that passage. What it means, what are those spiritual blessings? He has adopted us as His own. He has adopted us as His own. Next, he says, we have been redeemed or we have been bought by his blood and we have been forgiven. We have been redeemed by him, that is, bought by his blood and forgiven. Do you realize what that's saying? You see, Jacob couldn't look at Joseph and say that. But can you imagine this? We have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We have been bought and claimed for him by the blood of his son on the cross. And we have been forgiven. Every sin has been forgiven by the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been bought and we have been forgiven. Next it says he has lavished his grace on us. He has poured his grace on us. God doesn't give us his grace little small bits. It says that he has lavished his grace on us. 
Next, it says he has made known to us the mystery of his will. Oh, so many times we say, I don't understand this. I don't understand this about the Lord. It says he's made known to us the mystery of his will, that he wanted to adopt us. He wanted to claim us. He shed his blood for us on the cross. We belong to him. He is making known to us the mystery of his will. Then it says that we have an inheritance in heaven. And that is that when this journey is over with, the journey just continues. We walk through the door of death and we have an inheritance guaranteed for us in heaven. When somebody dies, what do they do? They read the will to see who's getting the inheritance. Well, the will has already been read for us, okay? We don't have to wait till we get to heaven to see what the will is. The will has already been given to us. This is the will. And what is the will? The inheritance is that we get to be with with Him in heaven. And then how do we know it's all going to come true? The last thing He says in Ephesians chapter 1 to seal the whole thing, He says, how do you know you're going to get the inheritance? How do you know all this has happened? He says we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. Let me illustrate it this way. When a couple stands to get married, the symbol of their pledges and their commitment to each other is they put a wedding ring on. Now we used to have a saying back when I was in college, all of us single guys, and we were looking at asking a girl out. No ring... No string. Which simply meant you looked to see if she had a ring on her finger. And if she didn't, that meant there was no string. And, and, and you could go ask her out. If she had a, a ring, that meant she had a string. She was claimed. Hands off. The Holy Spirit is the ring. And we're on His string. We have been claimed by Him that we are the bride of Christ. And we are sealed, signed, and delivered for eternity to Jesus. Given the Holy Spirit as a seal. That's our inheritance. Several weeks ago, you probably didn't notice it. My son was here and he brought, as he often does, several guys from Chesapeake where we used to live to... Come and stay with us for the weekend. There was a young man that was here that day. His name is Joseph. Another Joseph. This Joseph is about 13 years of age. His parents, who live in Virginia Beach and were part of our church in Chesapeake, adopted him roughly about eight or nine years ago. They went to South America, if I'm correct, to Ecuador, and adopted Joseph in that country and brought him back. When I first met him, he was a little boy. He's a a teenager now. I remember when I first met him, when they came up to church on Sunday morning, and they had Joseph with them, little guy. He didn't say a whole lot. They were so excited to have a son that... They had always wanted and were not able to have children, and so they were just thrilled to death to have this little boy. And as I watched Joseph and the Carroll family over the next number of years, several things I noticed. First of all, Joseph took their name. He became, their last name was Carroll, and he became one of the Carrolls. 
Everywhere Joseph went, he was identified with that family. He referred to them as mom and dad, and they wanted him to call him mom and dad. They gave him a home, a neighborhood, made sure he had food to eat, schooling, clothes to wear. They took care of him. He was part of the family. He belonged. He had peace, security. You could see that on that infectious smile on his face. He was blessed by that new family and by those parents. And when the Bible says in Ephesians 1.3 that we are blessed by every spiritual blessing in Christ, that is exactly what he's saying. God, through Jesus, came to us in a far country, this earth. Left all the awesomeness of heaven to just jump right into all the mess of this earth. And he adopted us. And he has taken us to his home, his community. He is providing peace wholeness and security for us. He is providing the needs in our lives. He has given us His name. Oh, the next time you wear the name Christian, it's not just a title. It is the name that He has given us that we belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. He has claimed us and we belong to Him. Now, when I'm around Joseph... This is what I've noticed about him. He smiles a lot. He's got a spring in his step. He enjoys life. Why? Because he's living the blessing. Folks, the problem with so many of us is not that Jesus hadn't saved us and claimed us. We're just not living the blessing. If we will learn to live like we belong to him. If we'll learn to live the blessing. It'll show up on our face. It'll show up in our service. We can live like we are blessed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can live this life blessed by you. That we can live out the blessing of belonging to you. Thank you, Jesus. That you have made us your own. Adopted us. And that the God of our Father is the one we serve. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you're here today and you need to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to invite you in the next few moments. Just to pray a simple prayer to him and say Jesus today I want to know you. I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I want to belong to you. And Jesus, I give my life to you that I may walk with you. If you're here today and you feel like the Lord is leading you to become a part of our church family, I invite you to come and join here with us. Lord, have your way with us in these moments now of invitation and response to you. 
We thank you, Jesus. We praise you in your name. Amen. Let's stand together.